Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about world affairs and the people who shape it. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch, and in this show we discuss topical global issues and have in-depth conversations with personalities in foreign policy. Global Dispatches is presented in partnership with Humanity in Action, an international educational organization, and I am a Humanity in Action senior fellow. Djibouti is the only country in the world that hosts military bases for both the United States and China. The U.S. base, called Camp Lemonade, hosts U.S. Special Forces, and it's only a few kilometers from China's only military base outside of Asia. France, the former colonial ruler, also hosts a base in the country. That so many countries would want their military stationed in tiny Djibouti is partly due to the country's geography. It is strategically located in the Horn of Africa, bordering Somalia, Ethiopia, Eritrea, and sits at the exact point where the Gulf of Aden meets the Red Sea across the strait from Yemen. But in part, as a consequence of its strategic location, its longtime leader, President Ismail Omar Gyele, has held a stranglehold on power since 1999, cracking down on civil society, thwarting any potential political rivals, and subverting the country's democratic institutions. One person trying to restore democracy to Djibouti is Dahar Ahmed Farah, who is on the line with me today. He is the leader of the country's main opposition political party, the Movement for Democratic Renewal and Development, the MRD. But he is currently in exile, living mostly in Brussels after the government issued a warrant for his arrest. We caught up as Farah was visiting Washington, D.C. for meetings at the State Department and elsewhere. So Djibouti is obviously not much in the news. And I found this conversation a very interesting explanation of how a government that is a strategic ally of so many world powers can use that position to consolidate its political power at home at the expense of democracy. The conversation also offers some fascinating insights into how a democracy activist like Farah is able to operate in these very restrictive and frankly dangerous environments. So a quick note before we begin, I've had several new premium subscribers sign up over the last couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You really do help keep the, the lights on around here. If you want to become a premium member of the podcast, go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and you can click on the link or I'll post a link right in the description field of the podcast episode in iTunes. And when you become a premium member, you get access to bonus episodes and also access to my daily Dawn's Digest global news clip service. This is a roundup of the top news that's often off the, the radar of the mainstream media as it relates to global development, human rights, global affairs. And I send it out every single morning to hundreds of subscribers. Mostly these are professionals who uh, deal and work in the global development, human rights, global security field that goes to a number of, of key organizations like at USAID and uh, at the International Rescue Committee and a few other uh, big subscribers. The Aga Khan Development Network is, is another key one. So if you uh, want to receive a complimentary subscription to this news clip service, you can do so via globaldispatchespodcast.com by becoming a premium member. Thank you. And now here is my conversation with Daher Ahmed Farah. 
looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I, I lived in exile from 2004 to 2013. I went back home to Djibouti in January uh, 13, 2013, yes. And we, we brought together the opposition parties and we took part in, in, in parliament election at that time. And since then, since 2013, I lived between Djibouti and Belgium in Europe. I came back, actually, I came back from, from Djibouti on March 2017. And I consider going back home uh, sometime before the end of this year, 2018, despite the arrest warrant that the regime issued against me. So when was the last time you set foot in Djibouti? The last time, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, in 2017, March th the 3rd, 2017. And, and, and you now have an arrest warrant for you. So if you return to Djibouti, there is a probability that you will end up in jail. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. If I go back home to Djibouti, yes, I will end up in jail because they issued uh, an arrest warrant. So why, why did they issue an arrest warrant? Yeah, it's, uh, they say that I, I am leading a, a political party that uh, was declared illegal. In fact, they disbanded, they arbitrarily disbanded our party in 2008 while I was, I was still in exile in Europe, uh, accusing us of, uh, uh, of inv inviting the Eritrean president to uh, invade Djibouti and to replace the president Gele by a, an opponent. Mm. And this accusation was based on a fake document fabricated by the political security in Djibouti, by the Djiboutian uh, political security. We, we made an, an action with, uh, in injustice against uh, this accusation and against uh, this uh, this ban, but the justice in Djibouti is not is not independent from the executive power, uh, so that w our case was not settled, and we decided after years of uh, uh, non-justice of denial of justice, we decided to make a uh, a complaint with the Human Rights Committee in Geneva, the, 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 the UN Human Rights Committee in Geneva in November, in last November 2017, and the process is underway. 
Do you think that complaint will make any difference? And and just to be to be clear, uh, what you're saying is that the government accused you and your party of uh, plotting with the Ethiopian government to overflow. Er- the, oh, the Eritrean government, yes, to overthrow the government of Djibouti, and they base this claim on a document that they fabricated in order to set you up. Yes, yes, um, yes, it's, correct, correct. It's, it's a clever, uh, it's, it's a clever idea, I suppose, in in some sinister way. <laughs> but uh, but the problem is the, the the document is a copy. The, there is not any original <laughs> document. It's a it's a copy uh, written. In, in a in a broken French with no signature with uh, w- w- one 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 doesn't know whether it is a message a letter or a press release <laughs> it's totally it's a totally appalling document <laughs> and if you see it yeah you you you, you will laugh <laughs> so uh, what we we hope now is that the 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 UN Human Rights Committee will see, will discover this, uh, this fake document. Uh, and actually, they, they are asking them now uh, to reply to our, uh, to our case, to our complaint. Uh, and they can't reply because they have, it's baseless. Their, accus- their accusation is baseless. There is, no, there is not any evidence against uh, us. They did this just to get rid of us as, uh, as the oldest and the main political party in Djibouti, they see us as a threat. That's why they fabricated this fake document. Uh, but it's, 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 not that, it's not smart. It's not that smart <laughs> at all. <laughs> because it's, uh, it's, it's a blatant, how to say, a blatant um, lie. So, so let's back up a, a little bit. Um, you know, you're currently in exile, uh, but you were or are the the leader of an opposition movement that has been very active in Djibouti politics for the last uh, couple of, of of decades, I, I believe. So, can you tell me how did you become politically active? Yeah. Uh... Since my childhood, I was always uh, uh, attentive uh, to, to the world around me, and I, I became a military officer. For, for to, and, and then I left the, 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 the military, and I, I became journalist, and then teacher. Uh, but uh, from my childhood. Uh, I, 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 deci- I decided to, to make something to, to improve things in Djibouti. Uh, I, was, uh, I was there when the independence war was declared in 1977, uh, June 27, 1977. I was there. I was a teenager and I was hoping, like uh, the other Djiboutians, that uh, the new state, the state which was uh, 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 proclaimed, uh, would, would would enable us to go forward, to become a nation, to become uh, to, um, to to with people living in a decent way, in a in a freedom environment, and 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 with dignity. Uh, nothing uh, happened. We, we ended up in a dictatorship. We ended up in a one-party rule system with corruption, 
with uh, suppression of uh, fundamental freedoms, uh, violations of human rights. So I became, uh, how to say, sensitive to, to this, and I decided to, 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 to make something, to react, so to speak. That's why after years of, uh, uh, of, uh, civil, of, of action on the ground as a civil society uh, uh, person, uh, I, I was acting in an informal person uh, before uh, taking part of the creation of our party in 1992. Why in 1992? Because it was when we could create a party from 1977 to 1992 uh, in Djibouti, there was there was no constitution. There was there were only two laws, and uh, the, the all the state power was in the hands of the president. A, a civil war broke out in 1992 in Djibouti. Uh, an armed movement. Uh, uh, start fighting the regime in 1992 in the north of the country and in the south of the, of the country and the capital, opposition started to organize itself. And the regime had to, to concede, to accept, uh, to, to, to put in place, to, 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 uh, had to agree to political reforms, democratic reforms. That's why the first constitution ever in the history of Djibouti uh, since the independence was put in place, was voted, and it enabled us to uh, create the first ever political opposition party uh, legally, legalized. it was called at that time PRD. We were declared illegal in 1997 when our president, uh, of the, our head of party, died. But we resisted. We resisted. We didn't accept. We were persecuted. I was arrested, uh, detained, countless times. But we resisted. Can, so that, can, can I ask you a, a couple a couple of questions? Yeah. The first question: Did you participate in that armed uh, struggle, that armed uprising? No, I didn't participate at that time. I was not uh, in the army. I had left the army. I left the the army in nineteen in January nineteen ninety one, and the the civil war broke out uh, in November nineteen ninety one. I I didn't participate either in the army and or on the other side. I participated in the in the, in the structuring of of the civil uh, opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so after the leader of that party died, the party was declared unconstitutional and was disbanded. And is is that what you just said? Yeah, it was declared illegal. Uh, in in fact, they 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 made a co- a copy. They decided they that the party was not legal anymore, and they recognized instead uh, a few members of the party as the real party, uh, and they how to say they took those those people. Uh, uh, 
they they rallied those people. Those people joined them, joined mm. the regime. Uh, Co-opted. It was it was an attempt to create it a, a house opposition. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like a, a fake opposition almost. Yeah, a fake opposition. So so yeah. can you describe your your first arrest during this period? Because it seems it was a period of crackdown, and you referenced that you were arrested. <laughs> what was that like? What happened? Yes, it was uh, for the first time I was arrested in October 1997, October 12. I was arrested by, by the police, uh, thrown into into the central prison of the country, Gabot, uh, detained in hard conditions without any communication with the outside world. I was detained in, in an uncommunicado uh, way and without uh, access to to a lawyer and i was detained for the first time during three weeks i was released but not uh, not uh, but the, the the charges remained and since then the charges have been remaining i am hmm. under what the french uh, the french people call Liberté provisoire, and uh, some kind. It means that they can arrest me for that at any moment. Mm. Uh, and, and this this is part of the practices of the regime. They they build a case against you, they arrest you, they detain you, then they, they release you, so that they, but you are not you, you are not you are not free of charge. So you are not how to say your your the, the charges the accusations remain. So that at any time they can again arrest you. Mm -hmm. It's a it's it's a permanent threat, and it's a way to keep you silent. And I have to imagine there are many people who are politically active, like you in Djibouti, who have these charges hanging over their head that could be imposed yes. and be arrested. Yes, at, especially at any time. in our party. Um. So. Um, could you, I, I guess, describe how in this period where you were living in Djibouti and you had these charges hanging over your head, how did you continue uh, to voice your opposition to this regime and to try to um, press ahead with your movement for democracy? Yes, we we had a newspaper, a weekly one, uh, uh, which I was in charge uh, uh, with. Uh, we, we, it, it was called the, the, Renew, the Renewal, Le Renouveau, the Renewal. We had also uh, structures, uh, uh, ground structures of our party everywhere in, in the country, in the capital, but, but also outside the capital. And we were resisting like this. We had meetings, we had... Uh, um, aware, awareness, political awareness activities. Uh, we had uh, uh, we, we had articles in the newspaper against the wrongdoing on the wrongdoings of the regime uh, every uh, on every uh, uh, Thursday, and I was uh, often arrested for for, for 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 this myself, but also my fellow uh, party members. But we, we, we kept resisting. And this resistance enabled us to, to get our party re-legalized in 2002 when the, 
because there, there was a law taken in 1992 limiting the number of political parties in Djibouti to four for a period of 10 years. And this law uh, came to expiration in 2002. And we took advantage of this uh, occasion to, to, to get our party re-legalized, but under a new name, because the regime refused to, to give us back our name. That's why our party became uh, changed from PRD, Party for uh, Renew Democratic Renewal. In French, it means Democratic Renewal Party and became Movement for Democratic Renewal and Development, MRD, our mm -hmm. current name. And, and that party was allowed to exist in 2002. And it was allowed. It was allowed to exist. We took part in parliament elections in 2003. And then with the rest of the, of the opposition, we created a, a coalition, UAD, it means uh, uh, Union for uh, for Democratic Change, for Alternance. And we decided to boycott elections because elections were not free and fair. Mm -hmm. And our our claim of a of an electoral independent body was not met. So we decided to boycott elections in 2004. I had to 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 flee the country and to to go in in, in exile to Europe because uh, my life was uh, threatened. And I spent ten years in Belgium. So, so can, from, can can I, I ask because this is a very interesting time period from an American perspective in in Djibouti because this is about the time uh, in around two thousand two to two thousand you know four or five where the U.S. set up its main military base in the Horn of Africa, Camp Lemonnier. Yes, uh, I am curious to learn from you how the more active presence of American troops and the increased relevance of Djibouti to America's war on terror had on political freedoms inside Djibouti. Was there a discernible effect that you noticed? Uh, unfortunately, no. When uh, American... Uh, uh, the, the, the American military arrived in Djibouti. There was uh, already a dictatorship in Djibouti, and the situation didn't change. Uh, and and it has not uh, since since then changed. Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the Djiboutian regime was a dictatorship and remains a dictatorship, uh, despite the the strategic partnership between the USA. And Djibouti. I, and I, I ask this because I know that many other countries with whom the United States shared an important strategic relationship in the war on terror, uh, co concurrently with their partnership with the United States, also cracked down on human rights uh, in, in that time and you know, were able to use their strategic partnership with the United States as a way to ensure that the United States in that period would not press them too hard 
on human rights. And I'm just wondering if this, if Djibouti is one example of this phenomenon that we saw in that early years of yes. the Bush administration. Yes, yes. The President Gelli and his regime uh, thought and have been uh, thinking that because the USA need Djibouti for uh, the, the military base, uh, they can do what they want, both with the with the money that they get from the USA as a rent, but also as a, as an aid, but also in terms of human rights and and democracy. Yes, the the, the president uh, knows how to play with uh, with 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 that, but. Um, and what we try to make uh, the United States uh, uh, decision make, uh, makers understand is that the, 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 the American interest lies not in the, in, the, in, 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 in the regime, but in the people of Djibouti. The people of Djibouti uh, accept, welcome the, the, the United States and, 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 and the military base. They have no problem, but they want this presence Profit to the population, benefit to the population, not to the regime, um, and the stability, because those uh, power, world power, uh, seek stability, stability for their basis and their interests. But this stability depends not on the regime, but on the population, because if there is poverty and there is Poverty and extreme poverty in Djibouti. The population in Djibouti is poor, up to eighty percent, and extremely poor at at uh, up to forty percent. With uh, it's, and it's a population with forty uh, percent uh, with a component of of youngsters. Uh, 70% uh, up to 70%. So if there is a despair, if there is no hope for the population, especially for the young that uh, who make up 70% of the population, it won't be a good news for the for the for the American interests. Well, well, who in the United States government do you make that case to? Like, uh, is, is anyone willing to meet with you? Like, you're you're I'm speaking to you. You're in Washington right now. Are you speaking with any uh, American officials? Yeah, we 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 meet. Uh, uh, we, we 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 had a meeting at the, the Department of State uh, in inside Djibouti. We 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 meet with uh, with the ambassador, and uh, each time that we have the occasion, we. We, we make this point. Uh, so you said that you had to flee uh, Djibouti because a threat was made on your life. What what was that threat? What happened? Yeah, uh, they they were trying to kill me uh, to to kill me through uh, a road accident or uh, through an aggression by by a, uh, by, by somebody by uh, by. by by an agent, because I, as I kept resisting, they tried to corrupt me. They tried, they, they proposed me money. They proposed me uh, positions in the government, and, and I refused. So I, they, they arrested me, but I kept resisting. 
So they, they came to the conclusion that uh, the only way that they, they could get rid of me and our party was to kill me. And I got the information thanks to, 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 to some people and, and I, I left the country to, to escape uh, this. How, how long after receiving the information did you, did you leave the country? A few, a few days, a few days. Fortunately, uh, I had, I had a visa, I had a visa, uh, for, for France and it, it, uh, enabled me to, to leave the, the country and, and to go to Europe. Do you ever worry or did you ever worry in that time that, for, that agents of the Djibouti government in, in France would also try to kill you? There is also there is always a probability, but uh, I was rather fe- I was rather feeling uh, safe in Europe. I was rather feeling safe in Europe. Um, so right now, um, Djibouti is is very interesting, sort of strategically. Again, for the fact that it hosts a U.S. military base, but also a Chinese military base. That's not far from the American military base. I believe this is the uh, only Chinese military base outside of of Asia. Uh, How has the presence of the Chinese government and their commercial interests affected the politics of of Djibouti at all or in any way? The presence of the of Chinese and especially of the of the military Chinese base. It's not a good news for us, for the, for the Djiboutian people. It's a good news for the regime because uh, they they get money from them. They get uh, uh, how to say Chinese uh, uh, lend much money to the regime, so that the country is uh, the debt, the Djiboutian debt, uh, uh, rose up to. 85% of the GDP and, and which means that at any time as the regime cannot reimburse or pay, pay back this money, the Chinese may take control of our assets uh, of the port of Djibouti, of the railways of Djibouti and so on. And this presence is, uh, is, uh, is a threat to, 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 to our future and to our because of this debt, because of uh, the Chinese uh, do not uh, uh, do not share of, uh, with us uh, uh, the values such as democracy, uh, respect of human rights, accountability, freedom. They only treat with the regime. Uh, the embassy, the Chinese embassy in Djibouti, doesn't uh, even meet with. Uh, the opponents, uh, and uh, unlike the other embassies, uh, so it's not a good news for the for the Djiboutian people. I, I suppose, though, from the perspective of say the Chinese or or the American militaries, uh, at least the fact that President Gula has been in office since 1999 does signal a degree of of stability. Uh, from just from the the basic perspective that you know that they have a partner they're able to work with, 
um, and who gives them pretty free reign to do what they will uh, on their military bases and is is just sort of a, a pretty easy partner to, to work with. Uh, it's, it's not that easy because it's unpredictable. You, you know, he, he, uh, while he... he he was engaged in a, in a strategic partnership with the USA, with France, and with those Western uh, powers. He turned toward toward China, and now he's turning towards India, and towards even towards uh, Saudi Arabia, and so on. He's a, he's a money-driven man, so you can't trust him. Uh, and so that Djibouti became a, a battle. A, a, a field of battle between competing interests, and it's not it's not good. When you are a country, you need to have a coherent foreign policy. You need to to keep your word, and 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 to to to, jo- to choose your partners uh, according to, to to your values, and. So, and the stability, the stability that you are talking about, is a false stability because it, it's it's a, how to say it's a it, it's it's a short term stability because as the discontent, the popular discontent uh, is rising, as uh, as the population is getting poor, poorer and poorer. Uh, as the the Jewishian people are getting hopeless and hopeless, uh, this stability will will come to an end. That's the the, the, the real problem. Uh, the real stability is the stability for the people, not the stability for the regime. The real stability is is when people can live in a decent way, when people can live in a freedom environment. When the country is functioning uh, for, for 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 its population and not only for a few rulers, this is the real stability, and this is what those powers like the United States of America uh, have to seek. Um, have you met President uh, Guelle? Uh, the last time we met, uh, I was not alone. I was the other opposition leaders because we signed a political agreement with him. It was on December 30th, 2014, uh, following a post-electoral crisis, the regime had to sign a political agreement with us. It was the, fo- the first time ever since the independence. and But uh, I, I met him on that occasion, and I made clear that we we wanted to to keep him uh, to 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 hold him to his uh, to his word to his uh, signature. But unfortunately, this political agreement has not yet been implemented. So that uh, today, so far up to today. There is no electoral independent national commission, a body that is in line, which is in line with the African Charter on Democracy, Elections and Governance, a charter that the government of Djibouti signed and the parliament of Djibouti ratified, and which is as such 
part of our constitution. Can I ask, what was it like to meet him? I mean, this is a, a man who had you arrested, who, who wanted to have you killed. What what was that meeting like? Like, what was it like yeah, personally? Like, yeah, personally, like, what was it like yeah, to see yeah. this person face to face? Yes, it's a, it was a, it was a bizarre uh, moment, a bizarre meeting, and uh, I, to be honest, I was not happy to be there with him. Uh, I didn't I didn't have any 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 trust because I I I know the, this man. All 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 that he was seeking is was it, it, it was to to. To gain some time, but uh, as I was part of a coalition, political coalition, I had to be there. I came there. I came there without, without any, how to say, any any hope of progress. And yes, it was a bizarre moment. So, where yeah. does the the political party stand right now? Um, you know, it seems, frankly, that the the regime is is very good at staying in power and playing China and America against each other, and uh, you know, using its partnerships with the military uh, to its its own advantage. So, what's next for you? How how are you faring? The pro- this, what what in a way the, the regime uses. Uh, the silence of the outside world, the fact that Djibouti is little known by the outside world, the fact that what's going on in Djibouti is little known by the outside world, the fact that there is a little co- media coverage of Djibouti, little attention to Djibouti, is uh, how to say is one of the main main uh, how to say main assets so to speak, for the regime, because it enables him to suppress freedom, to repress the people. And if we have some attention from the outside world, as it happened uh, for for the countries where uh, uh, an uprising Led to a to to to, to dem- democratic change, say um, the, the the countries like Tunisia or Egypt. If if we if we if we get some attention from the outside world, it will help us help us, because we are we are feeling like we are feeling alone to, today. Uh, we Djiboutian people are feeling alone, uh, alone, facing a man who, who has the military. Was the police, was the resources of the state, the means of the state, and who, who uses all this against us? I have to. I, I'd like to 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 underline that the regi- the regime of Djibouti is not a strong regime. It's it's a fragile regime, but it, it only takes advantage of this silence, of this uh, complicity by silence. And, and of the support by the outside world, because he, he gets money, he, the rent of military bases, the aid, and so on. So if if we feel supported by the outside world, the, um, when I say uh, if we, I'm, I'm talking about the population, uh, 
people are ready to 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 protest and to 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 to, to go on the streets. They are, they are ready. They, they already did it in February to, to the 2011 and between 2013 and 2014. But the, there was little support from the outside world. Uh, the, 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 the big media like CNN, like uh, BBC, like uh, France Vantcat, uh, don't pay enough attention to Djibouti. Uh, so that and it's it's a problem for us. What's next for you then? What how how are you going to continue to press this this cause and and like you said, try to foment a, a popular uh, uprising to restore democracy in the country? Yeah, we will we'll, we'll continue to to we to 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 raise awareness to. To, to try to uh, to 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 draw the, the outside attention on on the situation and to there is a, a, a free a free a free media that started uh, broadcasting a few weeks ago from Europe an, ex, an exiled media which is called uh, La Voix Djibouti so um, we we it's it's hard. But we, we 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 have to keep on. We have to to keep on, and we hope that one day things will change. We 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 have no choice because uh. with this regime we go nowhere. There is no future with this regime. So we have we have to keep on, even if we 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 look weak, even if the if for the. The, the, the exterior observers, the regime is strong. He's not strong. So we have to keep on. We have to keep on. Uh, well, and, to, and, and, and to continue and reflect on reflect on ways to, to get rid of this regime. Well, Dahar, thank you so much for your time. This was, this was uh, inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much my, uh, for having me. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Dar. That was fascinating. I really do like shining a spotlight on these undercovered stories. And this is certainly a very undercovered story. I was obviously, you know, aware of Camp Lemonade. It's, it's, a, you know, a, a spot where the U.S. often, uh, conducts anti-terror operations in the Horn of Africa. I was not, uh, aware of the, failing democratic institutions of the country and i was glad to have this conversation as always feel free to get in touch with me you can use the contact button on global podcast.com if you have suggestions of people i should interview or topics i should cover and of course do consider becoming a premium member it really does help the, the show in very substantial ways thank you thank you thank you we'll see you soon bye The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the policies or positions of Humanity in Action.